Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance and my guest on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Heather Dinich will join me in just a little while. Huge doings around the world of college football. And then the big swagoo, Marcus Spears, in an hour as we look ahead on this football Friday to a very interesting weekend. Again, very big news from college football. In fact, sneaky big news from the world of college football. I will tell you right now, I woke up this morning. First thing I do every morning is I'm going through the notes And I came across a story that I had to read two or three times over to make sure I was reading it correctly. We will get to that in about 15 minutes, because quite candidly, I do not think it is overstating it to say that it is a story that could change sports as we know them completely. And I think it's not getting nearly enough attention. But it will here in just a few minutes. In the meantime, though, we start, as always, with some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the straight talk is this. The Pittsburgh Steelers, their pursuit for perfection, I believe, is going to come to an end on Monday. I think the Steelers wind up losing to the Washington football team in the game that has been rescheduled to the earlier Monday slot, leaving Washington with an enormous advantage in rest. Washington will have gone 11 days between games. Pittsburgh, five. Pittsburgh coming off a physical, much more complicated battle than they were expecting, both, I think, emotionally, psychologically, and physically, on Wednesday, losing one of their most important and best players in Bud Dupree, and then turning around that quickly and having to play a rested and rapidly improving Washington football team, I think they will lose. The Steelers will lose on Monday. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Mike Tomlin knows his team is at all sorts of disadvantage, and he's not worried about it. Short one for us, a long one for Washington, and so we just respect that. Uh, We don't seek comfort. Um, We realize that Washington doesn't care about our problems, or they're glad that we have them, and so we proceed with that understanding. Because the standard is the standard in Pittsburgh, and that's all well and good, but it does bring up an interesting question, which is, Are they better off losing? Rob Ninkovich told us this morning on Get Up that he was a part of great Patriot teams, teams that took deep runs at perfection in two seasons. He was not on the 07 team that went 16-0. But he did say that the pressure that was created by being perfect wound up being a major hindrance for teams he was on and that when they finally lost games, he considered it and they considered it a relief. Adam Schefter said a similar thing. He was covering a Broncos team day in, day out that went 13-0 to start their season, then lost to a bad Giants team in Week 14. And there was a collective exhale, and that team wound up winning the Super Bowl. You sort of think about the 07 Patriots. Ninkovich actually said today that he believes that if the Patriots had not been 16-0, they would have won the Super Bowl that year. And if you think back to that season, The truth is, that team started descending as the season went on. There was a point that year where they were on a scorched earth tour. They were beating people. They were humiliating teams. They won three of their last six games by three points or fewer. They were by no means dominant in the playoffs. And then, of course, lost to the Giants in a game in which they scored only 10 points. So maybe there's something to this idea of not being perfect. I asked Ryan Clark about it this morning because RC knows Tomlin better than anyone and loves him. I said, Ryan Clark, do you think Mike Tomlin, if you injected him with true serum, would like to lose a game? Hell no. 
Hell no, ever. No, you don't ever want to lose. That, that, that's never how you go into a game. Now, was the focus to be perfect? Absolutely not. The focus was to win the AFC North, look to get a bye in the playoffs, be the AFC champion, and win the Super Bowl. But you don't ever go into a game planning to lose or wanting to lose or wishing to lose. So maybe I phrased the question badly because I get that they never go into any game wanting to lose. But in the big picture... If you were to offer Mike Tomlin the option of 16-0 and or 15-1, and provided he's still got the one seed, which he would if they lose this game, would Mike Tomlin choose 15-1? and It's a fascinating psychological thing, I think. Because the reaction of most of the football players I had with me this morning was, 16-0 doesn't mean anything. And my response to that is, I disagree. I don't think it doesn't mean anything. Basketball doesn't have an exact comparison. It's not apples to apples because no one's ever going to go 82-0. and But the Golden State Warriors that went 73-9, and do you think that doesn't mean anything? I think it means something. Obviously, they would trade it for a championship. That's not what we're talking about. The 72-win Bulls famously adopted the slogan, it don't mean a thing if you don't get the ring. I never agreed. It does mean a thing. The Patriots of 07 will forever, or not forever, but up till this point, are the only 16-0 team in the regular season we've ever had. Now, it's obviously not as good as what the Dolphins did by sealing the deal at 17-0 in a 14-game regular season in 72. And of course, they would trade it for a Super Bowl ring. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is there any value to being unbeaten? I got to tell you, maybe that does create additional pressure. I get it. But pressure is part of the deal. I think I'd want to go for it. I think I'd want, I think I would desperately want to be the first team to go 19-0. There's a champion every year. 19-0 is history. That's something no one has ever done. You make yourself a team you remember forever. I don't think anyone thinks of the 72 Dolphins as the best team they ever saw. But they have to come up until the end of time in every discussion of the greatest teams. Long after all those guys are gone, and sadly we're losing so many of them. But long after all those guys are gone, we'll still be talking about Don Shula and Bob Greasy and Jim Kick and, and, and Larry Zonka and Nick Bonacani and Vern Den Herter and all those guys because they were perfect. So I think the pursuit of perfection is something. It's not everything. I get that. But it is something. It's something I think I'd want to go for. I don't think the Steelers are going to do it. And I don't know that it makes any difference one way or the other to their Super Bowl chance. And that's the point. But I'll repeat what I said to begin. I think they're going to lose Monday. Washington is playing better. If you watch them, I tell you what, they may rue the day. If you think back to when Ron Rivera went for the two in a game against the Giants, when they were coming on and they could have won, I believe if that game had gone to overtime, they would have won. If that winds up keeping them out of the playoffs, that's really going to be something. But I think Washington right now is playing the best of it. Well, they're not playing better than the Giants, but the Giants aren't beating Seattle. There's no way in the world the Giants are going to Seattle and beating them. And in a perfect world, I don't think that Washington beats the Steelers. But again, this turnaround for the Steelers in any other season, I would be standing on this desk screaming about how unfair it is. In 2020, as we know, fair is not the most important thing. All right, Greeny with you. I'm inviting you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. 
Head to a store near you to teach your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Speaking of college football, that is where this crazy news comes from. This enormous story getting no attention. That's where it comes from, and I will have it for you coming up in seven minutes. But in the interim, Bubba, give me some football music. I need some football music, and we're going to look ahead to the four biggest games that are coming up on the Sunday schedule this weekend. Bubba, give me some football music here to get this thing started, and we will roll on. Number four, Eagles at Packers. All right, the Eagles have to find a way to win a game here, and this doesn't feel to me like the place to do it. All the pressure in the world on the Eagles, and they couldn't have picked a worse time to be going to a worse place. Aaron Rodgers loves Lambeau Field, and he particularly loves it when the tundra starts to freeze. He loves the cold weather. He's playing great. They've added him another weapon. The defense might feel pretty good about themselves coming off a a big performance against a terrible Chicago offense. Well, this offense is just as terrible in Philadelphia. And the quarterback isn't playing demonstrably better than the quarterbacks in Chicago are, which is the ultimate criticism. So I think everything in the world is riding in the balance here for the Eagles. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. They're not running this thing back. If you're the Eagles, you don't just say, well, tough luck this season. We didn't manage to win the worst division ever, even though we were the only ones whose quarterback didn't get knocked out for the season. At this point, Daniel Jones is hurt. Maybe not for the season. I shouldn't say it that way. But the only ones whose quarterback stayed healthy all year long and we didn't win this division with this pedigree, this coach, this quarterback, I think they have to do something. And again, if it was the quarterback, I think that would be their first choice. But they can't do anything with Wentz. The contract won't allow it. So I believe that the beginning of the end of the Doug Peterson era in Philadelphia which might wind up being the best thing that could happen to him because I think he will vault to the top of a lot of people's head coaching wish lists. But I think it starts here. I don't give them a snowball's chance in Hades of going into Lambeau Field and beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So that's first. Number three, Rams at Cardinals. All right, so, I mean, what is going on with the Cardinals? They were everybody's darling so much of the season, and now... They really seem to be struggling a little bit while the Rams were the team on the come and then they laid the egg last week against San Francisco. The bottom line is this. Will the real Jared Goff please stand up? The one thing I have total confidence in in Arizona, both macro and micro, both short-term and long, is the quarterback. Kyler Murray is the goods. I have confidence in him to play well week in and week out and to be great for a decade. I can't say the same about Jared Goff, short-term or long. Bart Scott said it this morning. The coach gives him the answers to the test. They're going to need him to win games for them. You can't try and win around a $100 million quarterback. So the question is, will the real Jared Goff please stand up? Is he good enough to carry this team to what is a big win on the road if they were to come up with it this weekend? My gut feeling is, yes. I think the Rams are the better team, top to bottom. I think their defense is ready for this challenge. Jalen Ramsey on D-Hop is probably going to be worth the price of admission all by itself. And I think Goff is better than the the, the eye test tells you. I'm not giving up on Goff. Coach has got to coach him up. I believe the Rams win this game, bury the Cardinals in a jam-packed NFC playoff race, and try and hang in there with Seattle who's getting hot at exactly the right time. That's next. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Number two. 
Colts at Texans. Well, now we're talking. This is a terrific football game. Sexy, maybe not the sexiest matchup we have, but incredibly important for both teams. The Colts may have let the division get away from them last week based upon just terrible timing. Timing is everything in life. And if you're going to lose the entire interior of your defense, the worst possible time to do that is when Derrick Henry is coming to town. That's what happened to them last week. And if Derrick Henry had wanted to rush for 250 yards last week, he would have. They took the foot off the pedal when they were up 35-14 at halftime. The Colts are a better team than that. So they take on the Texans. Don't sleep on the Texans. Deshaun Watson is having the best season you will never remember of anyone in the sport. His numbers are actually MVP caliber numbers on a basically bad team. And I think we're starting to see them a little bit on the come. They win a big game on Thanksgiving. They've won a couple. They win this weekend. Don't look now. Schedule says they could play their way into playoff contention, and I am projecting that they will. Watson is that hot and that good. I think they open up a lot of eyes by upsetting the Colts this weekend at home. And then let's see what Deshaun and Romeo are able to put together going forward. So that just leaves one. Number one, Browns at Titans. So here we go with two teams thinking significant playoff thoughts. The Titans are who we thought they were. They are coming on at exactly the right time. This is so reminiscent of a year ago. And don't they feel the same? Like a team that is getting hot and could do serious damage rolling into the playoffs behind the most physical running back we've seen in the league in a long time in Derrick Henry and a better quarterback than most people realize in Ryan Tannehill. So there's that. The Cleveland side of it is the more interesting side. You realize that the Browns win a game, they're 9-3. and three. All we talk about is how spectacular they aren't. We remember the losses so vividly. The shellacking at the hands of Baltimore. The shellacking at the hands of Pittsburgh. We've given up on this team a million times. If they win this Sunday, they're 9-3. and three. Just a couple of years removed from being 1-31 in consecutive seasons. So I think their coach has serious coach of the year consideration written all over him in Stefanski. The question is about the quarterback. And the questions will remain. Because decisions have to be made on Baker Mayfield. And Bart Scott, for, for one, is not convinced Mayfield is the answer. Everything is in stake for Mayfield. His future as the leader of this football team. Nobody does less with more. He has two of everything. They've surrounded him with everything that he needs. He's going to step up and have to show up and show that he is a franchise quarterback. I think they believe that after his rookie year. I think that they, it's a lot of question marks about Baker Mayfield and the fact that they really haven't given him the keys to the car. They're putting him in the passenger seat. He's not the driver. It's just running game. But if you're going to give a guy $35, $45 million, you should be able to trust him because the more money you give him, the less of those luxury pieces you're going to be able to, to, be able to maintain. I happen to agree. I think they're winning around their quarterback. You watch the plays he left on the field last week. Can't do that against a good team. It works when you're playing Jacksonville. It won't work against Tennessee. I think this is a very important game in the midst of a very important season for Baker Mayfield. And I don't want to take anything away from what their season has been. 8-3 and three is 8-3. and three. Good for them, and I believe they will make the playoffs. But the questions about the quarterback remain. And those are the biggest games of this weekend with me, Greeny, here on ESPN Radio. And look, we all accidentally damage our phones, right? That happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless's new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection. 
Just 65 bucks a month, you get unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See Mobile Protect terms and conditions at Ashurion.com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, so here's what I've been talking about. So I wake up, I'll give you a little rundown on my day. I wake up a little before 5 o'clock and I start going through all of the notes so that I'm ready to go when I leave my house to get to work. And this note about the night commission popped up. And I read it, and then I said, I'm sorry, what? So I read it again, and then I read it a third time to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding what it says. This could change sports as we know them. The Knight Commission is an independent group of university presidents, former ADs, and others. It is very highly regarded. People pay close attention. People inside of college sports pay close attention to what they say and do. They spent the past year studying the current state of college sports and then made this recommendation. They recommended that the best way to repair the NCAA's broken governance model is to remove the teams of the football bowl subdivision from the association, forcing the top level of college football to govern itself as a separate entity. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, wait a minute, what does that actually say? That's what I kept saying. The football bowl subdivision, the FBS, let's just call it what we all think of it as. Division one football, all the teams you're thinking of, the Power Five conferences, etc. That's who they're talking about. And their recommendation, after surveying a wide swath of college sports stakeholders, what they discovered is that many leaders in the industry believe the time has come for significant change And the most effective way to solve a variety of problems is to separate football, an outlier of a sport because of the vast and quickly increasing difference in the revenue it generates. While the commission does not have authority to make this change, the fact that they said it is extremely significant. And they met with NCAA president Mark Emmert yesterday morning to present their recommendation. Remember Mark Emmert? He's the one from whom we've heard nothing as these football programs have tried desperately to navigate their way through a pandemic. When the Power Five commissioners have made all the decisions, the ones you've liked and the ones you've not liked, the ones that seem right and the ones that seem wrong, and the NCAA has sat by and basically said, not our issue, not our thing, not our thing to deal in. Well, guess what? Maybe that needs to be official. That's what they're saying. Arnie Duncan is the co-chair of the Knight Commission. He said, every other sport looks like a duck and walks like a duck and probably is a duck. Football looks like a pterodactyl. It's not like the others, and it's had a widely disproportionate impact on everything else. It doesn't make sense. I have been saying for years, and again, like most geniuses, I will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. I have been saying for years that the time is coming when football will be separate from the NCAA. And this, to me, is an enormous step in that direction. I will make the prediction right now that within the next five years, the action will begin to be taken. Division I college football will separate from the NCAA. It will govern itself. It will be its own league with its own rules. It will not have to play by the same rules that all the other sports do, which does not, has not, and have not made sense for a very long time. So I, for one, was very excited when I read this story. And I could not believe the magnitude of it. I think it is not getting nearly enough attention. 
I will ask Heather Dinich if she thinks this is on the way when she joins me in a moment next. Plus, why the most important game of the weekend still might not get played. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I got a good feeling about this weekend. Looking forward to a lot of good football on this Football Friday with me, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining me now is one of my favorite people, Heather Dinich, our college football insider extraordinaire. She's on the Shell Pinzoil Performance Line, Shell V-Powered Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Thank you for letting me ruin two parts of your day. Heather, how are you again? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. All right, always. So so I, I just went through the Knight Commission stuff here, and we talked about this briefly this morning on television. But here's how I set it up, and I, I just want to get your perspective because you live in this stuff every single day. When I read the story this morning, my first thought was, this feels like a very, very, very big deal, and yet it seems to be getting very little attention. Heather, which part of that am I getting wrong? Is it not as big a deal as I think it is? No, I think it's significant because it's actually in words, in black and white, a lot of things that people have been speculating about for a long time, which is the Power Five, you know, breaking away from the NCAA. But I will, I've said repeatedly, and I think it remains the same, is that everyone has to remember that the Power Five, the NCAA is comprised of the Power Five, and football has always been treated differently. And it's those very same people who run college football who are part of the organizations within the NCAA that comprise the NCAA. And even if you were to have its own separate organization, you still have to have something that um, is a checks and balances system, is rules and regulations and compliance and all of those things. So I guess my question is how many of the 10 FBS commissioners and the university presidents within the most wealthiest and powerful schools across the country agree with this. And the survey that was done in June or July was anonymous. So we don't know the answer to that question. But the the point I, I would be making here is that, yes, obviously you still have to have someone in charge, but that someone doesn't have to be the same person who's in charge of swimming and lacrosse and volleyball and all these other sports who have nothing whatsoever to do with football. Football and, and to some degree basketball, but let's just deal in football here, are completely separate from everything else because they're multi-billion dollar businesses and none of the rest of them are. So to me, it has always made sense that you would treat them differently and they would not then be governed in the same way and be bound by some of the same regulations that the other sports are. 
Well, and they are treated differently. I understand what you're saying, but the college football playoff, in essence, is the very most obvious example of how college football is different from every other sport. But because we live in such tunnel vision, and I understand it, I do it too, and we look at college football, basketball, and the revenue sports through a different lens, it's important to remember things like Title IX and that all of the different implications in terms of athletic budget revenues and how that money comes in and how it's divided for other scholarships and other sports. I'm not saying that this isn't going to happen. I don't disagree with you by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that it's hard to separate it from um, the fact that there are people within the Power Five organizations who who are the NCAA? <laughs> that's what that's what I keep going back to. That's what I keep getting hung on. People think the NCAA is just this building in Indianapolis, and while it is, it it's every single. I mean, you're talking about Alabama's athletic director and Ohio State's athletic director. All these people are still involved in those decision making processes. Right. I, I guess what just to sort of put a finishing bow on that part of the conversation, you could deal in things like paying players and name, image, and likeness, which. You could deal with that separately from the NCAA, which doesn't seem to want to open that Pandora's box. But you're telling me maybe it's the same people making the decisions anyway. So let, let's wait and see how that plays out. I don't want to take up all the rest of our time here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance because I have a bunch more questions for you, Dinich. And the first of them is this. Is Ohio State going to play tomorrow? I believe so, yes. I thought they were going to play on uh, Wednesday because they had practiced on Tuesday and Wednesday without any information coming out of there. They're going to test their players again at 8 p.m. this evening. They're going to release their availability report on Saturday morning. They don't say who's got what or if it's an injury or if it's COVID-related, whatever it might be. But at least on Saturday, we will have a better of an idea of what Ryan Day meant when he said that they're going to be shorthanded. And that goes beyond, obviously, Ryan Day not being um, able to coach them because of his own COVID test. Uh, and, and so let's live in a world now where they do play tomorrow and they win impressively. And then they can't play the following weekend, or at least they can't play Michigan because Michigan has its own set of COVID issues. I've been re- following your Twitter feed here. All this talk about the Big Ten shuffling its schedule to make sure Ohio State gets another game. How does that work and what might happen? So in November, I reported that the Big Ten presidents and chancellors agreed to modify their cancellation policy in that if there are two healthy teams available because they had their opponents cancel games, those two teams can play each other as long as that decision is made by Wednesday afternoon central time. So hypothetically speaking, if Michigan couldn't play and Ohio State could, and let's say Minnesota couldn't play because they've been dealing with COVID issues as well, they've had their past two games canceled, and Nebraska could, then Ohio State and Nebraska could potentially play again if both teams were to agree to it. So that's just another way that Ohio State could get that regular season game finale in and meet that threshold of six games to play in the Big Ten Conference Championship. Look, they're, they're going to move, and I, I do not fault them for it. I think they're going to move hell or high water to try and get Ohio State eligible because they want them to be in the college football playoff, and there's nothing wrong with it. All right, one more thing for you, Heather. I, I'm, I'm going to start a feature here, and, and it is in your honor because this was what made me think of it, called my favorite tweet of the day because you tweeted yesterday when Woj – posted his story on Anthony Davis getting a $190 million deal to stay with the Lakers. 
You quote tweeted it and wrote $190 million and I can't get my dishwasher to work. What, why, what is wrong with your dishwasher, Heather Dinich? Great. And that was a censored version of what I was really thinking in my head as I kicked that thing every morning. There's a part missing from it, and because of the pandemic, I can't get the part. So this has been going on since late September, early October. We are a family of five, and from, I mean, Thanksgiving, every fork, knife, and spoon, we've been, you know, we've been watching them. And look, there are a lot of people out in the world who have real problems right now, so I'm not going to complain about this too much, but I want to know what I'm doing wrong, and I, I, I need Jay Will to teach me some basketball skills so that I can I can figure things out, start doing things right, get niches washed. Now you said that this morning, but I didn't I didn't understand that. What does Jay Will's basketball skills have to do with your dishwasher? What did I miss? He can he can he can teach me so that I can get some some mad cash, get some money, oh, get, a, get a contract. Just, I mean, what is it? Five years? Just teach you to play basketball? You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> that's where the money is, right? I, I wanted to make sure I understood it. I got you. So that because Anthony Davis got paid. So you're saying that if you work on this for a little while, you might get a hundred and ninety million dollar contract to play in the NBA. Hey, man, look, you can't give up on dreams. You can't. I'm with you. I'm with you. I keep saying I might win the Masters someday. I know it's unlikely, (laughs) extraordinarily unlikely. I wouldn't bet a sum of money that mattered to me on it, but I haven't given up on that dream. Hey, you know what, Green? My basketball hoop, we have one of those in the backyard. That still works, so there's still a chance. You get out there, and I'll go to a putting green, and let's see. Maybe both of us will get a chance to live our dreams. Thank you very much, Heather. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. That's Heather Dinich with me here. Oh, it's just, just as good as it gets. She's got just outstanding insight into all this stuff. Let's see what happens with Ohio State tomorrow. Meanwhile, coming up, I will give you the three people facing the most pressure this weekend. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'll give you the three people under the most pressure in the National Football League this weekend in just a moment. But I will say that um, I heard Christine Lisi mention this in the Sports Center update, and so I went and found it. I think this is interesting. Carson Wentz apparently addressed the Eagles this week to take accountability for his struggles, a gesture that is resonating well in the locker room 
as Philadelphia looks to break out of its three-game losing streak Sunday against the Packers. There's a quote here from veteran defensive end Brandon Graham saying, the first step is admitting what you're bad at, and that's what I love that Carson did. When, we t- when he talked to the team, we knew he had to own some of the stuff that's been do- that he's been doing, and he let us know that he's working his butt off to make sure he starts doing a lot of stuff better. Coach Doug Peterson said Wentz could be a better teammate. He said this once upon a time by being a little more vulnerable, being a little more accessible. And he believes what Wentz did this week is a sign of development in that area. Here's the only reason I'm a little skeptical is because towards the end of last season, remember Dan Orlovsky and I talked about this a lot because Orlovsky is Wentz's biggest supporter, that it really felt he had turned the corner on this then. It really felt like last year when he put that team on his back, and carried them that last month, that big win against Dallas, and got them the division, and got them into the playoffs with all of the injuries. It really felt like he had done that. He had finally grabbed hold of that team. It was no longer the shadow of Nick Foles, no longer sort of hovered above him. And he had taken that step. And so, look, I'm obviously not in that locker room, but I think what's going on is he's just playing terribly. And I don't know whether vulnerability or accountability or accessibility have anything to do with that at the end of the day. He's getting paid $100 million to play great football, and he's playing bad football. It's just that simple. He has been playing badly. I don't know that I think he's a bad player, but there's no question he's playing badly. And until that changes, I don't know how much a locker room speech is going to change anything. Now, I don't know. It doesn't hurt. I, I commend him for doing it. But I'm just a little skeptical as to how much difference I think it's going to make. Play some football. By the way, that organization has made one terrible draft pick after another. This is not all on him. But when you're the quarterback and, you're, and your contract is $100 million, you're going to take the heat. And the heat right now is pretty hot in Philadelphia. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's home quote explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. Hashtag Bubba, give me a little music. I'm going to go through right now the three people who I think are under the most pressure this weekend in the National Football League. Number three. Number three is Matt Nagy, head coach, Chicago Bears. We were just talking about coaches on the hot seat. There are a few places where I think these decisions have already been made. Obviously, there are three coaches who've already been fired this year. And I believe that, that there's nothing that can happen between now and the end of the season that will change the fate of the coach in New York with the Jets, of the coach in Jacksonville, or the coach in L.A. with the Chargers. I think those three, the the die has been cast. There are a few where I think it remains to be seen, and Chicago was one of them. Chicago, I think, is still a place where Matt Nagy can keep his job, assuming that's what he wants. If that team turns this thing around somewhat miraculously over the last few weeks, the trouble is I just don't see it happening. They're so bad. My eyes hurt watching them play offense. So I think that Nagy's job very much hangs in the balance. And if this thing keeps going the way it has been going, it feels to me like it will be time for a change there. I don't know enough about the inner working. I was on with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week. They don't seem to be totally certain. They're the afternoon hosts on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. They don't seem totally certain that that decision has been made. So I think he clearly can save this. They're not 1-10. in 10. They're still in the race. So they play a winnable game this week against Detroit. Find a way to win that game. Get things going on a roll. Maybe he saves his job. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Nagy. So he's number three. Number two. At number two is Jared Goff. And I touched on this earlier. 
Jared Goff is the difference between the Rams being a championship team and not. And that's an indictment of a player with his contract. When you're a $100 million quarterback, your job is to carry your team, not to be carried by it. He got hot and got them to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago behind a great coach, a, a transcendent defensive talent, a bunch of really good players on offense, and he got hot at the end. He made a few plays. He made enough plays to win a game in New Orleans. They had no business winning based on a bad call, but he made enough plays. He is not at this point carrying his team. And the question is, can he? I think the pressure is on him because he is the difference between that being a good team that will get into the playoffs and get knocked out quick or being a legit Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Got to show it. It's Jared Goff's time to show it. He's been there long enough. They've put enough on him. Obviously, the contract. You can't divorce yourself from the contract. When you make a lot of money and everybody knows it, there's a lot of pressure on you. That goes is true in a lot of businesses besides football, but nowhere more notably so than with a quarterback. So, to me, there's a lot of heat on Goff to carry that team. He's number two. Number one. Number one to me is Doug Peterson. We just talked about Carson Wentz, and I would say that all the pressure in the world is on Wentz, except... It's not that much pressure when they really can't do anything to you. The pressure is that he might continue to hear criticism and he might have to continue to listen to the talk shows and read columns and all the rest of that. Now, Humphrey Bogart famously said in the movie The Maltese Falcon, there are a lot of different ways to threaten a person, but none of them are any good without the threat of death behind them. And at the end of the day, there's not really a whole lot of pressure on Wentz if everyone knows there's no circumstance in which he's not the starting quarterback week one of next year. So I think the pressure is on the coach because I think the change will come if this team doesn't win the division and they can't change the quarterback. So they will change the coach. So I believe Peterson is number one now and for the rest of the season. It's the worst division in the history of the sport. Win it, win it, find a way to win a game. Couldn't pick a worse spot to have to start. Couldn't pick a worse spot to be trying to do it this weekend. Going to Lambeau field in December where the Packers never lose. They never lost there before they had Aaron Rodgers, and they certainly don't lose in December at home. Can the Eagles find a way to do it? We'll talk about that and more with Marcus Spears next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.